Merry Christmas. It's so good to see you on this uh, afternoon before Christmas and just sitting down here watching our kids lead us in worship just a few minutes ago was such a blessing, wasn't it? And they've worked so hard and they did so good and I was watching two of my younger children was in that group and I was sitting there thinking that my oldest is now too old to be in a group like that. It's kind of of a surreal moment for us, but I love children. And I was just sitting there thinking that watching them sing reminds us of the blessing and the joy that children are to us. I began to reflect just briefly about what it was like in, in the hospital room for each one of our daughters when they were born and the joy that they brought to Karen and I's hearts and to our lives. And, you know, those are one of the most precious moments in our lives is when our children are born. As a pastor, I love going and visiting hospitals, especially with the birth of a new child. It's always a joyous occasion. It's always uh, a time where it's just full of laughter and, and just anticipation of what this life is going to be like, what this child is going to be like and become. It's a glorious, glorious time when that baby arrives. I want you to listen, if you will. If you, maybe if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. But I want you to listen to the story of when Jesus arrived. As a little baby born, born into this world, born into this world in meager, uh, just very basic uh, situation there. As he's born in, in a stable, he's laid in a manger. But listen to what Luke says about Jesus' arrival. He says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. What an understatement that is. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The arrival of the Messiah King had just taken place. You know, as we read this story here in Luke chapter 2, it's a story that we see happening in time and space. It's happening during a specific season, a specific era of history, and we can go back and look at that. But the story of the Messiah King arriving here on earth, was planned out and orchestrated in eternity past. 
We get glimpses of it in the early parts of creation. If you know the story of the Bible, you know that in Genesis, God created all that there is. And he created the first two human beings, Adam and Eve. And he placed them in this wonderful place called Eden. It was a place that was beautiful. It was a place that was lush and, and, and green. It was a place that there was no death. There was no decay. Everything blossomed and everything bore fruit. It was the perfect place to raise a family. It was the perfect place to live a life. It was the perfect place to worship and serve God. They had everything that they needed, and yet the day came when they thought they needed something more. The Bible tells us that a serpent came and began to question God, began to ask a question, and they began to listen to the question. The serpent began to question the character of God, began to question the, 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 the honesty of God. They began to give the impression that God was holding back on Adam and Eve, and so they wanted to know more, and ultimately, you know the story, they ate from the tree that God told them not to eat from. And in that moment, the Bible tells us that everything God had warned them of, all of the things that he said would happen, he said, you will die, and that is exactly what happened. Their relationship with God was severed. It was dead. Their relationship with one another was broken. They began to, to, to fight. They began to blame each other. They began to hide from God. They felt the shame of their sinfulness. They hid themselves. They tried to cover their shame. All of these things that God had said immediately took place in their life. And yet in that garden, we see, as we read the scriptures, we see the first glimpse of the Messiah King that would arrive millennia later. We see the glimpse of it there in the Garden of Eden. When God says to Eve that there's coming one from you one day, who will crush the head of the serpent even as he bruises his heel. And we know that to be Jesus Christ. And what we read here in Luke chapter 2 is God fulfilling that prophecy. But not just that prophecy. We see in, in the Old Testament that God came to Abraham and, and said that through you the nations will be blessed. And we know as we read the story that's because of Jesus. We also see that God promised Judah, one of Abraham's descendants, that he would be the one, his tribe would be the one through whom the Messiah would come, the one that God had predicted, the anointed one who would crush the heel of the serpent. He would come from the tribe of Judah. Later on, he speaks to King David and says, your throne is going to be eternal, your throne is going to be everlasting, you'll never cease to have someone set in your throne. And we know the story. Today in Jerusalem, there is not a king sitting on the throne, and yet there's a king sitting on the throne in Jerusalem today. His name is King Jesus. He's born of the tribe and family of King David. All of these things point to Jesus and his arrival in this world. Now, on this Christmas Eve, I believe it's fitting for us to take time and pause. We sing about Jesus, and I love one of those lines in the song that we just sang about, how we are asking the Lord to fit us for heaven. I can't think of something we ought to do more than that this evening is, Lord, help us to remember what you've done for us. Lord, help us to reflect and, and to receive that into our own life. Fit me for heaven. Fit me for yourself. Three things I just want to briefly point out on this Christmas Eve from this passage, if I could, and, and talking about the arrival of Jesus. And first of all, I just want us to make note of the fact that Jesus is our gift. Let's make note of the gift of Jesus in our life. Listen to what verse 10 says again. The angel says to them, says to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the gift for us. He's a great gift, but he's a superior gift. 
You know, one of the things that we enjoy to do around Christmas, and it's because Jesus is God's gift to us, but we love to exchange gifts. Anybody excited about exchanging gifts this weekend? A couple of you are. Any kids, any children in here excited about that? My kids ought to be jumping off the pew. That's one of them, that's all she's been talking about for months, really. Like, when is Christmas coming? Well, it's like five months away. When is Christmas coming? It's like four and a half months away. When is Christmas coming? It's like four months and three days away. You know, it's that sort of thing. But we love to give and to exchange gifts with one another. Why do we do that? It's because God has given himself to us. God the Son has been given to us, and he as a gift is superior to any and everything that we could ever receive. It's the best gift we could give. It's the best gift we could receive. But not only is it superior, Jesus as the gift of God to us is everlasting. You know, tonight many of you will exchange gifts, and many of you will exchange gifts again tomorrow, or, or maybe you'll save it all till tomorrow, but here's what I know about the gifts that we will give and receive. They won't last, right? Many kids are going to wake up tomorrow morning, and you as a dad, you're going to spend the next three hours putting those things together, putting the batteries in those things, and those batteries will die. That toy will eventually break. The things that we give and receive will not last, and they do not satisfy. And yet Jesus, as God's gift to us, is superior in the fact that it satisfies us, and it's everlasting because it never ends. And then the third part of that is it's universal. I like how the angel says that he's the good news, the gift, is for all people. It's not just for the Jews. It's not just for this segment of the, of the, of the people on the earth. It's not just for a, a bigger segment. It's for all of us. Jesus is the gift to all people. But also I want you to see on this Christmas Eve, not only the gift of Jesus, but the identity of Jesus. Listen to verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You need, we need to remember who Jesus is. We read in this passage here that Jesus is a baby that was born in a stable and laid in a manger. He came, uh, the Bible tells us, as a prince, as a king. We're calling him the Messiah King. But he did not, he was not born into that sort of situation. We don't see Jesus here being born in the palace there in Jerusalem. We don't see him being born in the emperor's palace in Rome. No, he's born in a meager stable to poor parents. He's laid in a manger because there's no place for them in the end. He came as a prince, but was born as a pauper. But what is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? The angels tell us that he is the Savior. He is the Savior. He's the one who came to forgive our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins. If we go back to Genesis 3, when God gave us that first glimpse, he talks about one who would crush the heel of the serpent. That is who Jesus is. He is God in human flesh, and he is holy and just, and he alone could satisfy the just penalty for our sin by dying in our place as a substitute. He is our Savior who comes to rescue us from our sinful brokenness. But he's also the Messiah. He wasn't just a random person who stepped up and says, I'll do it. No, he is God's anointed one who was sent. He's the one who fulfills all of the prophecies in the Old Testament leading up to this moment. This was not an accident. This was a planned arrival for a purpose, and that is the salvation, the redemption of you and I. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Messiah. The angel also says he's Lord. He's Lord. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a good person. He's not just a martyr leading a movement. He is Lord of heaven. He is Lord of your life. 
One of my favorite verses, if not the favorite verse in all of the Bible, is Colossians 1, verse 16. It says basically this, that you've been made by God and you've been made for God. He is our Lord. He is our master, our king. But we also see in verse 8 a third thing that I believe is important for us to remember on this Christmas Eve, and that is the recipients of Jesus. In verse 8 it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. You may ask, what's the big deal about shepherds? I don't know much about shepherds. I don't hang around sheep. I don't understand what the purpose of shepherds is in this story. Here's what we know from history about shepherds. In the Jewish culture in this day, shepherds were outcasts. Shepherds were second-class citizens. Really, the only person, the only class of people that was lower than shepherds in this period of history in Palestine were lepers. Shepherds were regarded as thieves. They were not allowed to testify in court. The mission of the teaching of the, of the uh, priests back then taught that shepherds were low-class people within culture. The shepherds knew that about themselves. They knew that they were separated from everyone else. In fact, they didn't live around everyone else. They lived out in the fields. They were separate. And Jesus comes... And his angels announce his coming, and that announcement is not in the temple, it's not in the palace in Jerusalem, it's not in the places of prominence, it comes to poor, separate, marginalized people of culture. And God there reveals himself through these angels. He comes to sinners. You know, he comes to you and I. Jesus comes to reveal himself to you and I. The reason we celebrate Jesus is because he didn't come for the high and mighty. He came from the low and the needy, and that's you and I. We need Jesus in our lives. And so on this Christmas Eve, as we celebrate the arrival of God's Son for us and to us, we rejoice that he is our Savior. He is the one who forgives us of our sins. We rejoice that he is our Messiah, the one God has sent for us to redeem us. We rejoice that he is Lord. We rejoice in all that he's done for us, and we receive him into our lives. Tomorrow, and maybe even tonight, you're going to unwrap presents. But if you've never unwrapped God's gifts for you, that person of Jesus Christ, there's not a greater gift you could receive into your life than that today. I want to pray for us, and we're going to continue to sing. We're going to continue to celebrate Hopefully we'll be able to do it in, in a glorious fashion, just like these angels in the story, with our voices raised, our hearts lifted up, and our eyes fixed on Jesus, because he is worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that the Bible tells us he is Emmanuel. He is God with us, God in the flesh. He has arrived in our world, in time and space, in the midst of our brokenness, to bring healing and restoration. We celebrate that this evening. We glory in that. And we receive Jesus as your gift, heaven's gift, into our lives. We thank you for him. And we bless you in Jesus' name.